You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. I've entitled today's message, Why a Series Through the Book of Acts. We'll be spending the rest of the year walking through the book of Acts. And I want to let you know that this book in the New Testament, the book of Acts, is uniquely postured to speak to the issues of today. It's not ancient. It's not outdated. It speaks to today. Why? Because for the very first time, for the people who are in the book of Acts, it's recording the early church launching after Jesus has been on earth, Jewish followers of Jesus had to come to grip with the reality that theirs was no longer a one race religion. But it was God's plan, his beautiful plan, that through the Jewish people, all nations will be blessed through Jesus Christ as God's grace was now available to all peoples, all languages, all races without favoritism and available to everyone. I need though today to say some things as we get into the book of Acts. I'm so grateful to a man I consider my pastor, Pastor Dudley Rutherford of Shepherd Church for his words and his example and his passion that has so deeply influenced me in racial reconciliation and having a kingdom-minded church with a multi-ethnic impact. We as the church need to be very clear on a few things. In the beginning, God created people. God created them. And he made them male and female and Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a family and two of their sons as they walked and began to grow, we watch in the early first family in the Bible that hatred and murder entered the first family when Cain killed Abel. And from that time forward, hatred and lawlessness overtook the world, so much so that God was grieved that he had created people. God sent a flood to destroy the entire earth. And he put Noah, and his wife, their three sons and wives on the ark. And when the flood came to destroy the entire earth, God destroyed the living creatures except those that were on the ark, including people, and only saved those eight people. After the flood, God sent the rainbow in the sky as a promise that he would never destroy the earth with a flood again. Why is that important? Because it had never rained and if a storm came up, every time they would see clouds, they'd think, is God gonna destroy us all with a flood again? But God put the rainbow in the sky as a promise saying, I will never destroy the world with a flood again. And what you need to know and what you need to be reminded of is that we all descended from those eight people. Our skin is different shades, but our blood bleeds red. And God has called his church to be a witness in every age, in every conflict, in every season to the people of every language, every race, nation, and color to the glory of God. And I'm going to give you five points today that are not available on any sermon outline. So I'm going to ask you to write these down or take a screenshot with your phone. But if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this first one down. All racism is sin. All racism is sin. 
In James chapter two, verse one, James, the brother of Jesus writes, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Racism defined as this. The belief or the judgment that I somehow am better than you and that you somehow are less than me. That's racism. That you are less somehow. James' question is, have you not become judges with evil thoughts? Racism literally is when someone says, I prejudge you and in doing so, I become prejudiced about your worth as compared to my own. That is racism. And as believers, it's the opposite of what God calls us to do. As believers, we're to consider others as more important than ourselves, Paul writes. Which means your experience as I'm listening to you, should be more important than mine. That your pain should be more important as I listen to you than mine. That your opinion should be just as important as mine. Repentance should start with you and with me, and there's no place for racism in the church. And I love that when we gather as a church, when we're allowed to gather all together, Sun Grove is beginning to look more and more like a little bit of heaven where there is black and white and brown and every shade of skin all throughout our rows. I love that together people of all different backgrounds can come and worship God, that literally the police officer and the parolee can stand together and worship God in this place. I love that about the church. About 10 years ago, I remember traveling to India. And while in India, we stopped for coconut water. And, and what that means is that they actually have coconuts that they would take a big machete and chop the top off and stick a straw in it so that you could drink the water. Patrick Ebenezer, who's now gone on to be with the Lord, was in his 70s at the time. And I remember him telling the teenage girl in her language that she was exceedingly beautiful. And, and this girl was, like, her beauty was striking, even though she's selling coconuts and she's in the lowest caste in that region, that her beauty is striking. Like, you can't hide it. She's a beautiful young woman. But when Patrick told her that, she began to cry. And when they asked, well, why, why are you crying? She said it's because her skin was dark compared to the light-skinned people in India. And not only that, because she was such a low caste, she wasn't even allowed to be thinking that she might have beauty or value. And so she began to weep. And right then the missionary grabbed my hand and Patrick's hand and her hand and his hands and he, he pressed them all together. And this missionary who was dark-skinned himself began to talk to her and say, we all have different shades of color, but on the inside our blood re bleeds red. He described for her how Jesus loved her, how he died for her and offers her forgiveness and love and acceptance and a high position and belonging and empowerment. I don't know how helpful to her heart that illustration was. But what I know is that when we left, she was smiling. 
As we left, I, I couldn't forget her pain. And then I began to see it everywhere we went in India. I began to see it. Every advertisement of a beauty product has skin lightening bleach in it. it. Like we would do for our teeth, that we would want teeth whitening. All their advertisement there is a moisturizer, but that moisturizer has lightening properties because what is valued in India is the light skin. That's the definition of beauty. All the media people were light skinned. There seemed to be one shade of importance in that country and one shade of beauty in that country. And I thought to myself, this is a pain I've never had to endure. I've never had to have that talk with my kids. This is a pain I've never had to endure. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And he also says, mourn with those who mourn. If you're taking notes today, write this down. Empathy and listening is a start. The book of Acts details how the early church faced the tension of racism as the good news through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was available to the Jew and now to all other nations and nationalities. Please understand, this was a huge transition for people who formerly followed Judaism. There had to be conversations. There had to be reform. There had to be decisions made on faith and on practice. And we see that tension being played out in the early church in the book of Acts. And I want you to know that the word of God speaks to those issues, those deep felt issues. So what happened? Well, at one point in the book of Acts, the church leaders held a council at Jerusalem to answer, should Gentile believers be forced to be circumcised like the Jewish males were circumcised? And that was a sign of belonging to God. And they were saying, well, should we carry that Old Testament practice into these Gentile believers who've never been circumcised in their entire lives? And they said, let's have a council. Let's have lots of discussion on it. And the Bible says in Acts 15 that they had to make a decision after much discussion. Oh, but there was. Think of what was at stake for every male who would accept Christ at that time. I'm sure that at least one Gentile believer just raised his hand and said, um, can't we all just wear t-shirts? Well, they had much discussion about faith and about what matters and about practice. And this is what they wrote back to those Gentile believers in Acts 15 verse 28 they reply, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So after all this discussion, after all the issues that could be at stake, the early church decided by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to make that recommendation to Gentiles who now were embracing faith through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what did they do? They listened. They empathized. They gave up some of their right to be right. 
they discussed, and most importantly, listen to me, they were led by the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you today, just in a moment of honesty, to ask yourself, am I? Are you? Are you led by the Holy Spirit? Are your posts in social media led by God's Holy Spirit? Is your defensiveness, your politics, your opinions, are they being led by listening and by empathy and by discussion and most importantly, the leading of the Holy Spirit? Are you being his witnesses first? Or are you a political party in your own importance and definition before you're a Christ follower? Are you more a political party than being a Christ follower? Are you a race before being a Christ follower? What is more important to you? What comes first? Ask yourself that question. Which comes first for you? Are you a fan of Jesus Christ or are you actually being led by the Holy Spirit, representing him as a follower of Jesus Christ? Because I've listened to Christian brothers and Christian pastors who describe a lifetime of pain that is touched when well-intentioned believers make jokes or comments that derive from the color of their skin. It's time that the church listens to the pain, empathizes with people, and changes to stop causing another brother or sister to relive that hurt. At Sun Grove Church, we will wade into the conversation and we will have conversations. We will listen to pain. We will empathize and we will learn to build one another up and not tear anyone down. Remember, we have talked so often that your opinion matters, but people matter more. And we've said time and again, if your beliefs cause you to mistreat people, then there's something wrong with your beliefs. And I believe God wants to refine his church. It starts with us. So under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, let listening and empathy be a starting place. Write this down. George Floyd and many others should be alive today. Today, many others should be alive. First John 4, 20 says, whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. God calls them a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And let me tell you something. When you watch the video, it is immediately apparent that what happened to George should never happen, ever. And listen, over the years, people in leadership, people in churches, we've learned to wait. We've learned to get more information, to let the facts come out. We've all been fooled as we've talked to friends or other people, right? By the proverb that says, the one who speaks first seems to be right until another gives an account. We've all been fooled by that. When you've heard one side of a marital conflict and then you hear the other side, when you've heard one kid complain about something and then you hear the other kid bring some illumination to the disagreement, we've all been fooled by that. But let me tell you something. When you watch that video, 
it doesn't take you eight seconds to see the injustice, the wrong being done, let alone nine minutes. And I've heard it, believe me, I've heard it. Some people say he tried to pass off a counterfeit $20 bill. Well, let me tell you, that doesn't make it right. Let me tell you something else. Some of you, you've passed off counterfeit $20 bills in the offering at Sun Grove Church. Before you react, before you feel a bunch of defensiveness come up, before you get mad, please know that I get it, that in every organization, you've got good employees and you've got bad employees. And Christians, let me tell you something, in any workplace, in any organization, when you see a bad employee acting racist, you should speak You should step in for the sake of justice. I've lamented with my brothers and sisters of every race in blue who have given their lives and their occupation to protect and serve here in Elk Grove. Those law officers who have felt the tension in similar situations and grieved over what they saw in that video. Similar officers who know that their presence being a minority among that group of people alone make a difference in how someone's handled. They get it. Listen, there has to be restraint to evil. However, it's gotta be done with integrity and it's gotta be done with justice. Some people I've heard argue defunding the police. Let me tell you, that is the worst idea ever. If you defund the police entirely, anarchy would reign. You'd call the police and it, it wouldn't take them eight minutes to get there, it would take them eight hours. Should reform happen? Yes. Should education and enlightenment happen? Should training happen? Yes. Romans 13 tells us something though about the governing authorities. Romans 13 says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And later in verse four, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. So listen to me. Those ones you want to push back on, they're God's servants to act in justice, not unjustly. So don't be too hasty to get rid of them. They're God's servant. Listen, I'm so thankful that when a shooting happened next door in my neighborhood over drug money, that the first responders showed up to protect and to serve. We need, not only in the police, but in every industry and in every group, And in every gathering, we need administers of justice on every level. Why? Because justice is the heart of God. And we need people of justice who speak up when they see racism and the abuse of power. In the book of Acts, you're going to see injustice. You're going to also see how God miraculously freed those who've been wrongly assaulted who've been abused, who've been wrongly imprisoned. You're gonna rejoice with the fact that God freed them. You're gonna feel the pain though too of some of the apostles who walk with Jesus who were martyred for their faith. And you will see that God will always move his church forward 
under persecution or times of peace or through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to look through that book in times like these. Write this down. Protests are encouraged, but lawlessness and vandalism are not okay. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 said this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. In the end times, people are simply gonna love themselves. We see so much in our world. But I wanna tell you that protests are important. The noise has to happen. It is so important. The pain and the empathy and the conversations must happen. We've got to draw attention to injustices and begin to act to reform, for reform. I got to tell you, the most moving protest I saw was people lying on their faces with their hands behind their backs for over nine minutes as a woman on a loudspeaker said, I can't breathe. Mommy, I can't breathe. There are powerful ways to protest. There's so many ways to protest injustice. So here's what I wanna tell you. Find a way for your voice to be heard, but do it in a right way. Heather and I, this last week, we, after what seems like months, we went and ate out at a restaurant it was the first time we realized that we've had a meal in a sit-down establishment since we were actually in India last February. That's how long it's been since we were in a restaurant. And we went to support a restaurant whose owners had their downtown location vandalized and looted on the 16th Street. And these minority small business owners who had already been hurting in their businesses because of COVID-19 restrictions, now had their business destroyed by lawlessness and the destruction of property. That is not okay. Is racism a problem? Yes. But let me tell you that sometimes racism is less obvious. And I want to suggest to you that it can creep into any believer's life. We find in Galatians chapter two, the apostle Paul is writing and he describes a time when he had to confront racism in the church. And the person he's confronting is Peter. This is Peter who was a disciple with Jesus for three years. This is Peter who denied Christ three times, who came back, was restored by Christ. Peter who preached the first sermon at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and over 3,000 people were saved on that day. This is Peter and Paul had to confront him. It reads this, by the way, his name, when he says the name Cephas, that is Peter's name. And he says this, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. 
For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. What happened here is amazing. That Paul, who was a Pharisee among Pharisees, who knew how to play the game of being a Pharisee, instantly identified in Peter the kind of actions that the Pharisees would regularly take to ostracize people and the racism that instantly happened when the Pharisees would elevate themselves above other types of people. And in the New Testament church now, under Christ and the equality under Christ, he's watching that it's very easy for Peter, under this group that had not yet made their decision on this circumcision thing, to watch Peter kind of pull back. He pulled back from other believers. He pulled back from people. That's what he was doing. And he was being influenced by them. And so brother to brother, Paul confronted Peter to his face, corrected the racism, the favoritism that he was seeing in the early church. Let me ask you this. Some of you right now, you're falling back. You're falling back to who you consider to be your people, whoever those are. And you're being influenced by your people. And maybe for you, it's made you defensive. Maybe for you, it's made you angry. And maybe for you, you're, you're falling back and you're pulling back from being the church. You're pulling back from your brothers and sisters in Christ. And God is saying, do not fall into racism. Don't show favoritism, but act together for justice. Micah 6, 8 tells us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And last, I want to tell you this. Our nation, I believe, has yet to repent. You see, we've acknowledged the past of slavery and segregation. And, and let me just say that that's an admission. Maybe it's an apology, but we've not repented. Because repentance is turning away from an action so that it's not happening again. And our nation has yet to repent. Racism exists in America toward blacks, toward minorities, and even anti-Semitism has been shown to be on the rise in America. Racism exists. We have yet to repent. So I'm calling on our church today to come and to kneel where you are. I'm asking you to kneel. I'm asking you kids to kneel on the floor. I'm asking you parents to get up and kneel with your kids. I'm asking you kids to get your parents up out of their chair and to kneel on the floor. That wherever you are in your living room, in any place, that at this time, we would just take a moment and we would get on our knees and we would humble ourselves before God and we would begin to ask God, God, would you start with me? Would you start with us? Would you start with your church? That in the time like this, we would say, God, I need you. I need you. And that we would come together to seek the Lord. And if you're able physically to get on your knees, and I'm gonna ask you right now to go ahead and get on your knees together as a church, wherever you are, we together to spend some time praying. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we ask you to forgive us, forgive our nation, 
Forgive us as individuals. Forgive us corporately. God, that even right now, you'd be refining your church. That God, you would begin with us. That God, you would weed out of us the things that grieve your heart. That we would be the kind of people who don't stand by, but we act when we see injustice. That we have your heart, God, for justice. And we also share the good news of you that all people can be forgiven if they put their faith and trust in your death, the violence that was put against you on the cross and in your resurrection. And God, I ask you right now, would you help our nation? Would you bring reform that brings change? God, would you bring peace and make it a blessing to live in a land where people can pursue justice. Give our leaders wisdom, God. Give our hope to our nation through you, Jesus Christ. And God, continue to allow Sun Grove Church to be a multi-cultural church that has a multi-ethnic impact in this region and around the world. God, we come before you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.
Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.